Hey everyone, looking for even more Superman talk? If you enjoy digging for kryptonite, and I hope you do, be sure to check out my new series, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. It's a rewatch podcast covering the classic George Reeves television show from the 50s. You know from this podcast that I fell in love with Adventures of Superman and George's tough but charming take on The Man of Steel. Now, I get to explore that show episode by episode on my new rewatch podcast. Many of your favorite guests from this show are also popping up on the new series, and I hope you'll join us too. New episodes of another exciting episode drop every other Monday, and of course, Digging for Kryptonite continues weekly every Tuesday. Find another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman on your podcast platform of choice, and be sure to subscribe right away. Adventures await. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman is returning guest, All Yeah Comics' very own, sweet, sweet, Bernie Gerstmeyer. Welcome back. Happy anniversary, Anthony. (laughs) Happy anniversary. Happy 30 years since the death of Superman. Yeah, you seem to really like to talk about this. This is really awesome. It's, it's. I think it's worth having an anniversary party about this discussion. It's great. It comes up from time to time. Every now and then, <laughs> I feel like you, you like to bring it up. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> we we always. This is sort of a home base in a lot of ways. We always we always come yes. back here in some way, shape, or form for all the reasons that I've that I have talked about, and then and that yes, I'm sure I will continue to talk about. But yeah, it has been. 30 years. Obviously, you were on the show just about this time last year when we did our yeah. Crisis Till Death event. And we did, uh, well, we did a couple of episodes on this period, including uh, an episode on the death and funeral. And I said it then and I'll say it now that's one of my absolute favorite recordings. I love them all in, in their own way, but right. because of how important that story is to me, I, I just. I, that that's uh, that holds a very special place for me. So thank you again for joining me for that and coming back now. Oh gosh, it was so fun. And it's each of us hold this story near and dear. We were both different ages when we both read it, but they equally have weight for for both of us as far as our fan journey, our comic book journey, which is really really cool. Absolutely. Now, so much to unpack and get through here. Not that we have a, a lengthy reading list per se, and I'll, right. I'll talk in a second about what what we did read in advance of this. But we we do have some ground to cover, and I'll also I'll pull back the curtain for a second. This is as close to a live episode as I think the audience will get. So I, I think people have the sense. I typically record at least a little bit in advance, sometimes a yeah. lot in advance. But in this instance, we are recording it on. Monday, November 14th, uh, just past eight o'clock Eastern and at midnight (laughs) (laughs) Eastern, this episode will be up. So we, this is as fresh as it's going to get. True. Which, which is exciting in its own way and and a little bit of a different flavor or energy than we typically have on the the kind of on a, on a related, but unfortunately very sad note, uh, we, we do have the opportunity to address uh, a couple of uh, recent passings uh, within the comics uh, and, and related industry. So uh, artist Carlos Pacheco recently mm-hmm. passed away, and then even more recently than that, uh, Batman voice artist Kevin Conroy. And, yeah. you know, so much has been said about both of them. Uh, I, I echo all of it. I mean, there have been so many wonderful tributes and people talking about their talent and what they were like as people. And I don't know that I necessarily have have, have much more to add that hasn't already been said other than yeah. uh, it was very... 
surprised and saddened to hear about both of them. Very sorry that they're no longer with us. Very sorry for their families and friends and mm -hmm. collaborators. And as I said, when we talked about another passing, Tim Sale, earlier this year, Oof. yeah, the one, or from the fan perspective, at least, I suppose, the one, you know, the one silver lining in this is that their work lives on. And, and for them in particular, you know, it's work that has stood, and I think it's fair to say, will continue to stand the test of time. And you'll continue to have fans like us going back to it and rediscovering it. We always have new people coming to it. And so oh, the yeah. work lives on and they live on. And I, that's a beautiful thing, but still very sad. I know, uh, I know both of these losses uh, and, and uh, especially Kevin Conroy, I know really, really hit people. I know with Carlos Pacheco, the news had broken that he, he was ill, uh, which I think that in and of itself was surprising, but there was at least some notice with Kevin Conroy. It really, I, I was, you know, really, um, you know, certainly really taken by surprise. So uh, very sorry about both of them. Is there anything that you wanted to say about, about either or both? Yeah, I just, um, the Kevin Conroy one hit really hard because that Batman animated series to me was like the relaunch of the animated DC universe. Like that, that started that, that gave us the Superman animated series that gave us justice league Unlimited and all that. And, and somebody, I don't I can't remember who said it. I'm sure multiple people said it, but when I read a Batman book, Kevin Conroy's voice is who I hear. And, and I think that rings true for so many people that, that's why this hurts so hard. You go into any comic book shop. I just was in one, you know, when my wife and I went away this weekend, we hit a shop and, and the owner and I were talking, we're like, man, Kevin Conroy. And we both just got really quiet. And um, yeah, that, that one hurt like that. I think the, the most Christopher Reeve passing, I felt really hard. This one for a very similar reason, just uh, again, our, our fan journeys have really, awesome personalities and artists along the way. So when we, as we get older and we start to lose people, it gets hard. But, uh, but they're like when my own daughters who are in their teens and an early college, they know who Kevin Conroy is. So that gets me excited um, that, you know, even 30 years younger than me, you know, generations still know who he is. So. Yeah, I know. I love, I love to hear that. And with respect to to Kevin Conroy, I you know I had posted this on social media, and I'll reiterate it here. The the vocal performance speaks for itself, and like you said, I think so many of us hear that voice in our heads, and that's that's such a testament to him. One thing that's been really interesting and meaningful to me in over these past couple of years, really, is I feel like he started telling more of his personal story. And the two the two big instances of that that I'm aware of at least he did an episode of Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast, where he talked a lot about his, he had a very very difficult upbringing and uh, not great circumstances to put it mildly and and to see him transcend that is is really something remarkable. So you know if people never listened or watched, I really do encourage. I think you learn a lot about who he is. And then even more recently, he had a comic book story in the DC Pride special for 2022 where yeah. he talks or writes about the experience of being a closeted actor in Hollywood yep. and, and yeah. what the role of Batman allowed him to do and how he was able to identify with this person who was leading a double life. So, yeah. and I know, 
See, normally I have to say, I don't know if this will still be the case because we're recording it early, but I, I can say, yeah. as I know right now, uh, DC uh, has made the that special available for free through the app. So if anyone hasn't read it, it's very powerful. I really I really would encourage people to uh, to read it. Yeah. 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 And, and Belle, my daughter, who is going to school right now for film, TV, and theater, she, one of her, she would love to be doing voice over work. And always talked about voices like Kevin Conroy's and how that voice, like you can't mistake who that is. He is known by many people. And think about how many actors we have who have played Batman. Yet I feel like his voice is the voice we all hear as Batman, which is so interesting to me. Yes. And the the last thing I'll say on the subject of Kevin Conroy, not that that's all that should be said, but just... right. Uh, in the interest of time, but obviously I've spent a lot of time thinking and talking about the various portrayals of Superman and the role that each of them has played. But, you know, if I really spent the time to unpack the Batman side of it all, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, that again, like I know, I mean, it came up on the show, certainly when we talked about Superman, the animated series, and in particular, the the episodes featuring Batman, that world's finest special and all of that. But you know, it's not something that I fully unpack, but I'm sure if and when I do, I, I think there will be some pretty profound conclusions about how formative that was because I, I was a little kid watching that cartoon. And, you know, even if I wasn't necessarily conscious of the ways in which it was shaping my views of the the way I see and hear the character, it's like, I know it was. Yeah. So uh, again, I know, like I said, that's not necessarily the purview of this show specifically, but uh, it, it's definitely part of my journey as a fan and certainly as a Batman fan. Yeah. And I'll also say with respect to Carlos Pacheco, I mean, some it's, it's weird how the timing on, on this stuff works out. So uh, again, hopefully people are, are listening to this on a Tuesday, the 16th next week, we are off for Thanksgiving. We're going to take, so, so, I, you know, when I started mapping out this year, I was like, oh, I have a few holiday breaks and I ended up not <laughs> taking all of them, but we are going to take next week off. But we'll, when we come back in two weeks, I have an episode on, the Black Ring by Paul Cornell and Pete Woods, but the episode also covers Camelot Falls by Kurt yeah. Busick and Carlos Pacheco. And I recorded this a while back, uh, before yeah. certainly before his passing, but even before uh, the the news of his diagnosis came out. So obviously, it was never intended to be this tribute, but it, to whatever extent it can serve as that, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just so people know, we have that coming out, and it was recorded, of course, you know, well before all of this, but. Uh, you know, it's been in the can for a little while and, and I, you know, it was just, uh, so I got, he was on my mind, right. And I had just reread the work and we talked about it and then to hear the news of the illness and then the passing was just really, uh, so unfortunate. Yeah. I was thinking of him, uh, so I was listening to your, your, um, Black Adam episode with, with Justin and talking so much about the JSA and then his work on the JLA, JSA crossover, I think it was Virtue and Vice was called. It just, again, it's just he was a very distinct artist and you knew exactly who it was when you looked at his work and it was just profound and wonderful. And he had an amazing run too with Avengers and um, X-Men too. So he was very special to many people. And um, 2022 has been hard for, for the comic industry. It's been very, very rough starting all the way back with George Perez and, and, and others. So it's been rough. Yeah. And Kevin O'Neill, you know, uh, yeah, Kevin O'Neill from League of Yeah, and so again, it's appropriate. I mean, we're talking about the death of a of a superhero, but we want to talk about the death of our real life heroes too, which is important. Yes. So we're here to celebrate 
the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman, our primary homework assignment was the 30th anniversary special, which reunited the original Triangle era teams who crafted the death of Superman. They each tell a story in this uh, pretty massive one shot, which you're holding up there on screen. If you'll indulge me one second, though, there's there's a story. I, I don't want to build this up too much. It's it's nothing, it's nothing crazy, but uh, th- this would sound silly, I think, in almost any other context. But if there's one place where <laughs> I think people would be receptive to this, I think it's here. And, it, and it, hopefully it won't sound as silly. So it's not related to the death. But uh, at the end of September, my family and I went to Disney World. Okay. Now, are you a Disney guy or no? I, I enjoy going to Disney and we're, we're taking the band and orchestra and choir to Disney in March, actually. So we're, we're going to be marching down main street and all that kind of fun stuff. So I enjoy it. I'm not, but there are, there are like Disney people, like the Disney vacation clubbers and all that. So, okay. So I'm not at all a Disney guy, Mm -hmm. uh, but my wife and her family are, I did not enjoy it when I was five. I did not enjoy it when I was 12. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I really did not enjoy it when I was 35. It sounds like the worst Dr. Seuss book. I know. I did not, I did not like it when I was five. I did not like it when I was 12. <laughs> it's funny because we also recently did Sesame Place for the second time. And I, I get more into that because I just- I like that place. I've never had a huge attachment to the classic Disney characters. Like I watched right. the stuff when I was a kid, but it wasn't- Look, we, we all know where my interests lie. That, you know, Power Rangers and the, the, the DC characters and stuff like that. Uh, and Sesame Street when I was really little. So I get more out of that anyway. I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the point or bury the lead here. Uh, so we went to Disney at the end of September. This was a trip long in the works, long delayed because of COVID. You know, I think if it had been up to my wife, we would have gone, you know, very shortly after our son was born. But we ended up, you know, we postponed it. And then we made a big to-do of it. So not only was it the three of us, but... My mom came, her mom came, her sister and her husband came, a couple friends of ours came. It was a whole thing. And our son enjoyed it. And that was the most important thing. And there were aspects of it that I liked. But yeah, overall, I can't say that I became a Disney convert. But there was one moment. We were in Epcot. Have you done the Soarin' Ride? Oh, that's one of my favorite things on the planet, I will tell you. It's, It's second to the Six Flags Superman roller coaster. Gotcha. Which I've not done that, but we did this soaring ride. If anyone's not familiar, they strap you in and, and essentially the ride, you know, mimics flight and you've got these gigantic screens in front of you. Yeah, and, and it's it, incredible. It, it, it's, it's really something and they blow wind. And again, you're, you're moving to, to mimic yeah. the movement of flight. And I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. But the thing that I enjoyed about it was I said to myself, this is the way yeah. It would feel to be Superman, to actually fly. Because again, I, as much as I know there are video games and, and, and all that, but it's different because your body is moving yeah. in, in the way more or less that I imagine it would be if, if you were. And I just, the whole time I just kept thinking how amazing it was. And it, again, I, I know he's only a fictional character, but it just made me, it gave me more respect and appreciation for, for just this ideal of Superman. And mm-hmm. I, the thing that I kept coming back to was how amazing it, it would be to experience the world like that. Yeah. It's so different. It's not the same yeah. as flying through a plane, if flying in a plane, right? And so yeah. the, I don't know, the grandeur, but the responsibility and just the way that 
that he's taking everything in. It's so different than the way everyone else does. It really, it really made an impression on me. Two things. My girls and I, when we went on that ride, they saw me start to do it and they immediately did it. But I put my hands out in front of me, like, like Christopher Reeve. And I put one back and it like, and you feel that like with the wind hitting you. And like, we were both pretending, we were all pretending we were Superman flying. There's also, and you're close to New York city now. So, I mean, there is a ride in just near times square called rise that I think it's like maybe 30 or so bucks a person, but it's soaring, but they take you through New York city and the sights of New York. So it's like, I loved it because it was like you're flying through the Big Apple like you're Superman. So everybody else loved it because they were seeing the sights. And I, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like Superman flying through Metropolis right now. And it was awesome. Uh, I think I might have to look into that. I mean, I'm not a big ride guy. That's in part why I don't like Disney on top of right. all of the walking and the heat. And anyway, yes. but, but no, that's that's really cool to hear. But yeah, it just... And we were done. I mean, I was, everyone was very nice about it, but I was like, I, I felt like I was Superman. It's like, I understand it now. I understand it oh, so much yeah. more now. And I think they were probably like, all right. <laughs> oh gosh. Every, every time somebody, you know, those icebreaker questions that, you know, you're, you're either in the car or you're at a meeting and, and somebody will say like, so if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I mean, it's not even a question. I'm like flight, like, like I want to fly. That's, I don't, I mean, you kind of want to hope you be invulnerable too. So when you fly into the side of a building, you don't get crushed. But at the same time, like my brain goes, I want to fly. That's all I want to do. I dream about it. I, I still dream about it. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, in addition to Death of Superman, of course, you always bring it back to Smallville. I, I just I went back to that scene from season five of Smallville where Clark reunites with Jonathan in the afterlife. Yeah. And Jonathan has this whole speech about you've got to keep your mother safe. You've got to keep the whole world safe. And I just had that in my head as I was, quote unquote, flying through everything. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, not related to death, but it it just, and as silly as it might sound, it just really gave me a, a, an even deeper yeah. appreciation for the perspective that Superman would have if he existed. Yeah. I mean, it just helped you define the character more. Yeah, it did for sure. I so, love that. I love that. So I've been saving it. I've not, you know, because this was the end of September, but I, every time I've done an episode, I'm like, ah, like, save it for that, the Death of Superman one. It'll, it'll, that's a good spot for it. Okay. So 30 years, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of our larger conversation, we'll, we will talk about or at least touch on other tellings of the death, either mm-hmm. separate, entirely separate stories. There were a number of pre-crisis iterations of a Death of Superman, uh, as well as after the death of Superman, uh, various adaptations, whether direct adaptations or more uh, loosely based spiritual, uh, you know, spiritual versions of it. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch on all of that, but primarily you and I read the recently released Death of Superman 30th anniversary special. Yeah. Now we actually have a couple of patron questions from uh, Brian here. I'll start with this one here. Uh, how many copies? And this is for both of us. How many copies did you end up buying? <laughs> Which cover stood out to you the most? What did you like the most? So uh, how, how many copies of this $11 book did you buy? <laughs> um, let's see, was it $11? Oh, yeah, it was $11. $10.99. Because it is a, they get you. Yeah. When I throw it into the pile of my other books, you don't notice it quite as much. So that's nice. Um, I bought three, uh, three different covers. So I bought this one, that, which is just a newsstand wraparound. Um, I bought the re 
vamp of the poster behind me where they have all the heroes and the Superman family kind of around a redo of this light um, shining up from the Superman uh, coffin. Um, and then the black poly bag also. So um, kind of cool story too. Have you, did you go to all yeah Harrison recently? No. So I actually got mine through the mail I, as much as all okay. oh, yeah is my, is my local store, but I wanted to sort of uh, spread the wealth a little bit on this one. And so yeah. I actually ordered the regular cover and the black bag version from Acme comics in North Carolina. Nice. Awesome. As of this recording, it hasn't arrived yet. Uh, which Ooh. here's a, just as a, as a tie in, right. I, I hopefully people know I do another podcast, my, my longtime podcast, my comic shop history, and I'm in the midst of this trilogy event with Lord Retail from Acme Comics, and the finale drops Wednesday. Nice. And a good chunk of our conversation is about sort of the miscommunication in terms of when these books were going to arrive, and we talk yeah. about sort of his customers' reaction to it and everything. So it's again, if if there's any episode of my comic shop history, especially recently, that you might be interested in, there's definitely a, a fair amount of Superman talking. Anyway. I've got them. So those are the two that I have coming from Acme at some point, hopefully soon. But another retailer, good old Sean Hendricks from Fat Moose Comics. Oh, nice. Out of the blue. I didn't ask him for this. Out of the blue, he just sent me the regular cover. He also sent me the reprint of Superman 75. Yeah, I saw that came out too. That's awesome. And it was clutch. So shout out. I mean, shout out for Jermaine, but shout out to Sean for, for, uh, because I mean, yes, I I could and would have just gone to all yeah and picked it up, but it was really, really clutch. It came in the yeah. mail just when I needed it. Cause the time, nice. you know, timing was short here between the release and this recording and the release of the episode. So everything well, had to line up. The reason I asked was, is not so much. Did you go pick up your books from all? Yeah. But I said, Jerry Ordway was there on Saturday and Mark still has copies uh, signed. He still has some copies available for signing. Nice. I had other commitments and I was not able to make it over there, which I was disappointed by, but I saw the photos and it looked like the yeah. Ordway signing was a lot of fun. I was there, you know, a few years ago for the action 1000 signing right. and I, I did get everything signed and I got to meet him and everything. So that was terrific. Uh, yeah. yeah. I wish I could have gone uh, for that this time, but I'm glad that that Mark had that uh, for the, oh yeah, Harrison, New York crew. That's very, very cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, so this, so the anniversary issue you were saying earlier, we got everybody back. So that was the cool thing. We got Jurgens Breeding, Ordway Grummet, uh, Stern and uh, Simonson, Botnanova. I mean, everybody everybody was back. But there's something I want to like, go ahead and talk how you want to about like setting the stage. But it's something very interesting that we brought up at our store that I was curious if you feel this way too. So, Oh, was it about how Jurgens used the decreasing panel per page trick again? No, it was about how and why it looks a little bit different. Oh, okay. No, just, let's just jump into that. Well, if memory serves, um, Jurgens and Breeding did everything on the book. I I think they I think I think Breeding did all of the colors and inking and everything. Um, like Brad Anderson was added to this, like for the life of Superman. And me and Joe were trying to figure out like why it looks like Jurgens, but it just looks a little bit different. And we were wondering if that was why. Like some of the it just it just has a different tone like it looks old but it looks more modern and we wondered if that was because of the inker oh interesting very I, yeah, yeah it I was don't know. do you know what i mean like it looks a little it just it, it looks like the same people made it but it looks a little thicker 
the shading is a little bit different. I I loved it. I mean, I I'm obviously going to talk about everything from the new character added in, but um, it did feel like we were reading like '90s comics again, based on all of those rock stars that came back and did some work. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. First and foremost, I guess to, even to back this up, I remember this was a few months ago when DC started teasing an announcement. Yeah. yeah. And they just posted the the bloody red S on the black background and it's like come back to more like news coming soon, something like that. Yeah. All of us thought that Superman was dying again. <laughs> I I will a look. I'll I'll admit when they announced <laughs> what it actually was that it was going to be a special for the 30th yeah. anniversary reuniting the original teams each doing a new story I I I did feel like they had built it up a little bit too much not that it's not cool and the end yeah. product I I think is is awesome and we'll talk about it but yeah they're definitely at the same time and it's it's funny it's like <laughs> what did I want because there was that part of me that that had the same thought as you. It's like, oh, are they going to kill him again? And the, then the the next thought was, oh, I hope they don't do that. So, wh- what would I have been happy about? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you just defined every DC fan basically. Like, what would I be happy with? <laughs> you know. But I, I guess that's all to say, I I certainly knew this was coming. I knew we would talk about it on the show. I put my order in for it. I wasn't. Yeah. And and I know the creators and Jurgens in particular, they've been doing a lot of press and stuff. I I can't say I've been chomping at the bit for this or following right. every little piece. I just was like, okay, like we'll we'll take it in when it comes. And uh so I again I, I guess I didn't go into this with a ton of yeah. anything really. Uh right before I started reading though, uh I, I thought to myself, when I when I and again, I guess I had known this, but it didn't fully register when I realized how long the issue was. Yeah. And I said to myself, oh, I was like, oh my God, like is each team doing 20 pages, like effectively an issue? It's like we're getting a it's, bonus yeah. month of the triangle era. Yeah. And it ended up not quite being that. So Jurgens does the lead, close. you know, Jurgens does the lead story, which is about 40 pages. And yeah. then each of the other teams. So yeah, you have Stern and Geis doing a Guardian story. You have Ordway and Grummet doing a Mon Pa story. And you right. have Simonson and Bogdan of doing a John Henry Iron story. Each of those is 10 issue, 10 pages. Uh which again, overall, I really enjoy this. I don't want to be like I don't want to be a party pooper here. Yeah. If if I had been in charge of this, <laughs> I think it would have been cool to give each team essentially yeah. uh, an issue's worth. I understand yeah. if you're going to give one the lion's share. I understand why it would be Jurgens, but yeah. I can't help but wish that again each team had been able to affect to truly do like another issue. But it, it was still cool to get what we got. I think it was interesting too because. If you look at each of the four stories, clearly there's more meat in the Jurgen story. Like they had to deal with more as to what was going on. We got more fighting. We got more character. We got a new character. The others were kind of retrospective looking at a different angle. So it made sense to me why they were shorter, but I'm with you. Like I would have, I would have liked, I mean, we always want to see more. We always want to see more art, more pinups, more, the pinups were We'll talk about that separately, but they are so cool to look through the in-between art between each of the stories. I loved, I love what they did with art, old artists and new. It's great. For sure. I mean, hopefully people have, have read the issue. If not, you know, we'll, we will be spoiling it, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully you've read it or you're, you're planning to, whatever the case may be. But you know, in that lead Jurgen story, that is set in the present and yeah. we have this 
worker who was part of the doomsday cleanup crew who is now transforming into this doomsday-like creature who John Kent nicknames Doombreaker. This is set in the in the recent past, so this is before John Kent is aged yes. up. And yes. sort of the thematic and emotional through line of this is John Kent learning that his father had died. Because apparently yeah. Lois and Clark had never gotten around to telling him that piece <laughs> of their history. Yeah. So that's he sort probably, of the he, need of it. He still he still thinks Santa is real. <laughs> Nobody spoiled that for him. <laughs> but but clearly some kid ruined that his dad died once. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> It's, you know, speaking of Santa, it's funny because I've, you know, like our son is three and every now and then I'll, especially now as we're heading into Christmas and he's you yeah. know, got some Christmas books and I'll say like, is, is Santa real or pretend? He goes, pretend. So, <laughs> I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> we'll see as he gets older. But anyway. Yeah. So that's the the lead story. Then the Ordway Grummet story, we, like you said, the, the other stories are set in the past during the Death of Superman storyline. Right. So we know from reading Death of Superman that poor Ma and Pa, they're on the farm. They have to watch this on the television. And so you get to spend more yeah. time with them and they have this whole conversation and they go through the scrapbook and sort of a bonus uh, scrapbook that, that Ma's been keeping. We'll talk more about all of this. Yeah. Uh, and then the Stern uh, Geis uh, portion deals with Guardian. Again, you sort of see Guardian between the panels, between the pages, because he was kind of popping in and out of the main story. And so you sort of follow him a little bit more. And then similarly with the John Henry Iron story, you know, there's that iconic moment, right, where he pops out of the, you know, the rubble is it got to stop Doomsday. Well, you got to see both the before and after as he was like trying to make his way to yeah. the battle and it's it's it very much calls to mind the the sort of the folklore of john henry and the the man yeah. versus the machine right as he's performing almost superhuman feats of strength uh as he's uh again at one point seemingly holding up a building <laughs> not quite i but I, I, I do believe he was <laughs> um one thing that i did really enjoy about this was in each of the stories well especially the three retrospectives they almost sketch by sketch, like there are panels taken from the original books. And it's like, that's like your landmark panel. And then they fill in all of the gaps around it. So you see exactly what it looked like in 1993. And you're like, oh, there it is. And every single one had that. We had we had the same like the logs coming down around Superman and Guardian. You know, what is that? Uh is that Cadmus? Is that officially Cadmus? That area? Yeah. Of the habitat. The habitat, right. So it was just, it was just cool to see, like, oh, there's like a panel directly lifted. But then we learn more about how we got to that point. Cause in the original books, again, they're snapshots. Like you just see what's happening from Superman's point of view, you know, and now it's we're seeing all the different points. The Ma and Pa story was incredible to me. Same. That was, I mean, not surprisingly, that was the one that resonated with me the most. And that was the one. So like I said, I don't, I don't mean to tear this thing apart, but I know we have to have an honest discussion about it. There was a lot I liked. The Mon Pa story I thought was great. I thought that was an instance where that really added because the glimpses of Mon Pa in the main story were so fleeting, you know, every now and then you would check in on them. They'd be watching on the television. And so to really settle in with them and get more of a sense of what was going on on the farm I thought it was beautiful and it really added the guardian and, and John Henry stories. They were well told and they were enjoyable, but at the same yeah. time, I don't know that I ever really wondered, Oh, like how did guardian, like how did guardian get there? I, and, and the, the reason why <laughs> I, I even bring this up is that 
you know, the bittersweet aspect of all of this is it was wonderful to see these teams back, but it's, unless there are future plans that have not been announced yet, it's, you know, it's like a one-off thing. And so if, if each of these teams, especially for the retrospectives only has 10 pages, yeah. you know, I, the imagination wanders and it's like, oh, like, you know, maybe there could have been another angle that just would have, I don't know, shed light on something that we were really more curious about. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, they were enjoyable, but I did sort of have that feeling. It's like, if this is all we get, I don't know. I just, you, I guess you I just wanted that, more. You, you said that in like the nicest way. You said, I don't know if I ever wondered. And I was like, <laughs> Anthony's basically saying like, I really don't care about the guarding. Can somebody just tell me something else? Like, <laughs> care about this guy. Why are we talking about him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, more, more or less. That, that yeah. was, that was sort of my feeling. Although, I, the other thing, and, and this is why it is bittersweet, because I know Jurgens is going to have one of the segments in Action Comics, this new Superman family version of Action Comics with, yeah. with three different stories. So that's cool. Uh, but these guys, like all, like each of these teams, like these guys still got it. Yeah. And so I just, oh, yeah. I say to myself, man, if only there were some, you know, some scenario where this could be action comics, like this sort of format yes. where these teams are, are reviving that triangle era in some way. And this yeah. is probably the oldest that I've sounded on this show. It's like, I wish they could just bring back that era that I grew up with. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> but it was just, it was just kind of beautiful to see that world come yeah. back. And, yeah. and, and again, it's not like, I don't, just in terms of the, you know, any issues that I had might've been with just the the choice on who or what to focus on. But in terms of the yeah. execution, you know, it's not like I read any of these stories and it's like, oh, you know, you kind of see they've missed, a, they've lost a step or something like that. It's like, no, they were right back in it. I just, so I, I wish there would, there were some possibility of uh, any, I don't know, a mini series, an ongoing, a graphic, like something where these teams were back doing their thing and, and really working within that world that they had created in the nineties. So like, while we're, while we're playing the, what would we have done if we were in charge game? Um, I really loved the John Kent side of the first story. I, I wonder, I wonder if it would have been really neat that instead of going to the past, we let, different people tell John their take on that day. Like where John is us, like John is the reader or John is a new kid who has never heard about Superman dying and how that could have been really a different, like Ma and Pa Kent are telling their grandson, like what, what it was like to feel that and why that was scary because they didn't, they didn't know they thought he couldn't be killed. And maybe not go the guardian route. Maybe Lois is talking to him separately, you know, and, and though, I mean, I think that could have been a really interesting take and that could have been a neat lead into John is now older in action comics. And he's now dealing with the possibility that his dad might die someday. And he just finished hearing from all those perspectives from what it was like when his dad actually did die. So I don't know. I mean, I, there's always going to be a chance for us as fans to go, oh, that might have been an opportunity lost, but I'm a band director, not a comic creator, so I don't get to do that. <laughs> I love that. I love. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll we'll continue discussing. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit AllYeahComics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Aw, yeah. And we're back. I love that pitch that you made. And yeah, that's the thing. I mean, look, we're here. We're speculating. We're talking about what we would have done. I think it's all good. And and yeah, at at the end of the day, I can certainly respect and appreciate that for each of these creators. And look, for Jurgens in particular, this was his opportunity. I don't don't know what, if any, parameters he was given. But to whatever extent, he was like, this is what I want to do. It's like, awesome. It's your story. You do your thing. Yeah, uh, I I would have loved something like what you described. I think the I I don't know. I, I guess I keep bumping up against this idea that Lois and Clark a didn't tell him, but Lois does acknowledge this was not something that they like to relive or talk about. So I do get right. it. But a that they never told him, and b that like I don't know, it slipped their mind that the anniversary was coming up, and that there was there's going to be all this news coverage and everything. Uh, it just felt a little bit like, really, guys? But, you know, that's the, that's the premise yeah. here. Uh, and so the fact that, uh, you know, John has to wrestle with this idea of, you know, what his father has been through and his mortality, just as this new Doombreaker creature uh, emerges, uh, you know, I think it certainly works. If I'm, if I'm rewriting this, <laughs> uh, 
I would have told, I would have told, uh, again, it would have been 20 pages, right? Not 40. Each team would have had 20 pages. And I would have told the whole story from Mitch Anderson's perspective. Oh yeah. I love that. I love the idea that Mitch came back. Of course, this, the punk kid from, from the original storyline, uh, whose house and family are saved by Superman. And, you know, he starts off the story thinking Superman's lame and he loves Guy Gardner. And then he has this whole turnaround and you see him dealing with his guilt afterwards that, you know, Superman stayed behind and lost time to save his family and everything. Uh, and he would come back later. He was that outburst character. Yeah. Right. Yes. For the, the Superman of America. Was it Outburst? Or am I thinking of the Spider-Man Slingers character? Hold on. It's, oh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, we'll look it, it up. Was, <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Outburst. Anyway. Someone will put it in the comments. <laughs> but we haven't seen him as far as I know in a very, very Correct. long time. And it was cool to see him. You know, he's at John's school talking about the experience. And it's like, I, that to me, I'm like, oh, that's the story here. Yeah. That's the story. What the hell has this guy been up to? And what's well, his perspective on all this? All right, now we we talked about this when we first had our episode. I would have loved a whole, uh, even if it was ten pages, where the Justice League is telling John where the hell they were that day, <laughs> <laughs> and Batman gets a chance to say, "Yeah, I kind of missed that." <laughs> and then, yeah, all of us go, "Yeah, where were you, buddy? You sent Blue Beetle." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know that's the thing. I, cause I, I feel like when you look back at that story for us as fans in particular, what are the questions that we've always had sort of <laughs> yeah. thing. But uh, if that, if that's not what, you know, Jurgen saw as his, as his objective right. with this, that that's perfectly fine. Uh, I, I mean, I guess, you know, we've talked, you and I have talked about this and, and very recently when we talked about uh, Superman doomsday hunter prey and then the doomsday wars, this idea of, or as I put it in particular, the diminishing returns when it comes to doomsday, you know, the first time was yeah. great. Yeah. You can't really top that. And every time he comes back, <laughs> it's just sort of like, all right, here we go. Uh, again. All right. Yeah. So here we have a little bit of a new spin on it. We have this cleanup worker who <laughs> decided to keep a memento from the battle uh, of Metropolis. And he's got this bone, yeah. uh, you know, this, this one of, you know, uh, from doomsday and it's apparently been, secreting vapors or something and, and mutating him and turns him into this four armed doomsday like creature who attacks. And so we, you know, we get another battle and it's like, everyone's out there on the, on the street in front of the daily planet, just like the first time everyone's wondering what's going to happen. Uh, of course, Superman prevails. Lois brings the, the bone that uh, this guy had been keeping. And at first Superman's like, oh, this is making him stronger. But then he has the idea to use his heat vision and uh, the, the X, the X, the heat vision filtered through the the, uh, the the bone is able to re reverse the effects, and, and so the guy is saved. But, I mean, what, what was your take on it? Did you enjoy this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> For all the listeners, too, like, as you're listening to Anthony explain this, <laughs> how we don't say, what kind of batshit, crazy, Bronze Age story are we reading right now? <laughs> Like if you think about everybody roll back, everybody do the rewind 30 seconds on your podcast and listen to Anthony describe like the guy kept a piece of the bone and now he's got four arms. And then Superman thought I should use my heat fish. It's, it, it's kind of bananas, dude. Like I, I did not love it. I didn't like the minute, the minute doomsday showed up and went up being to be honest. I kind of lost interest. I know that sounds terrible, but 
I was in with the Mitch Anderson and and all of the John dealing with the emotion side of things. And I would have rather them just go through some flashbacks and explain to John why it was hard and and how it, we don't know if it could happen again. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know whether it was like trying to appease the fans by bringing Doomsday back again, but, it, and I'll listen, I think Doombreaker is one of the most terrible names ever. And I'm like, what, why, what does that mean? And why, why did John come up with that? Where do you like, Oh, we should call him Doombreaker. I'm like, no, no, shut up. <laughs> Stop it. I, know. I just did. I did not like it. Perry White liked it. He's like, Oh, you take after your parents. It's like, yeah, get out of here. I like, <laughs> I, I guess it, despite despite whatever misgivings I had about the setup here that Lois and Clark had never told John and, and right. they forgot that this was the anniversary. It's like, I, I can get past that. I think the emotional hook of this poor kid is learning about the worst day in his parents' lives. Like I, yeah. you know, there, there's meat on the bone there and that's fine. But yeah, I'm with you. I think when we get to the portion of the story where Doombreaker shows up, it's just, there's, there really doesn't feel like there's really any tension or any stakes there because yeah. we've, you know, we've been down this road and, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Is this something from, from DC where it's like, Hey, you got to have some, you know, you got to have a, a doomsday battle here. Is it Jurgens being like, Hey, I want to draw a new version. I have a new design of a four-armed version. I did like that because it <laughs> called to mind the six-armed uh, Spider-Man, which I am a fan yeah. of. Me. But, you know, I, I don't know. Is it? So I, I would be curious, you know, was that purely a creative choice or was it a feeling either either on the creative side or the editorial side, but just this feeling of like, hey, we have to have some sort of doomsday fight in here. Otherwise, people aren't going to like it. But I say to myself and what I would say in response, if that, if that were the thought is, you know, who who is this book ultimately for? I don't think this is meant for new readers. I think this is for people oh. who love the original story. And I think. I would have been happy with 40 pages of yeah. just dealing with the emotion and the, and the character oh. moments here. I didn't need yeah. the battle. Well, if you want a battle, go read the freaking <laughs> book 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. So like, I, that's the thing where I don't, I guess I didn't understand the whole need for that, but maybe that would, that could have been just like you said, it could have been Dan. It could have been DC saying like, Hey, this would be really cool. I don't know. I, I I did lose interest when they were fighting because I'm like, we know how this is going to go. He's not dying. Like, I, I agree with you. I think maybe flashbacks or something w- would have been fine. You yeah. know, I think also, too, for me in particular, you know, I recently read and covered the uh, the Dan Jurgens uh, action comics run with with Rebirth. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that, of course, it begins with a rematch with Doomsday. So I just feel like we not only have been, we've been down this road so many times uh, generally, but especially very recently. So you did the Tomasi run with me, right? Yes. Yeah. And Scott did um, that action comics run. So as, yeah. as I was saying it, I was like, wait, was that, did you, was that with you? <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's which of my buddies did I do this with? Yeah. <laughs> Let me, no. I, you know, I want to, we'll continue, of course, making our way through the special, but um, mm-hmm. actually I have a couple of, of, of interesting questions here. So we have one more question from Brian Yeah, and it's sort of a big picture question, but I think it's, it's interesting. And, you know, while we're talking about DC editorial and decisions and things like that. So Brian says, looking at the state of the current publishing DC universe line of books mm-hmm. and characters, 
do you think they could have produced a Death of Superman-level story arc now? I bring this up because it wasn't Superman who drove the story forward. The death wasn't the main event. It was the funeral, the aftermath. Without such a strong and fleshed-out supporting cast, the follow-up stories would have fallen flat. I don't believe the DC Universe is as cohesive as it once was. Boy, that's a diplomatic way of putting it. Uh, (laughs) Superman's supporting cast barely exists, along with subplots. Anyway, it crossed my mind, and I'm curious what you guys have to say on the topic. Do you think something like this could work? I, I think, Brian, I, I I think what we're seeing currently in D.C. As, as recent as these last weeks answers the question. Dark crisis is not hitting. Like, I don't I don't I think they keep trying to re re-energize or, or put the magic back in the bottle and shake it up and try it another way. But like Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths is is OK, but it's they're wanting to do something special that was already done and I, I, I and i just don't think so i don't we've already killed batman we've already killed wonder woman we've killed superman like i i don't i don't know if we need to do that again I, and i think with with comic i feel like comic fans have a longer memory than movie fans so you could reboot a superman movie or a batman movie or whatever the case may be and go, oh, I see how they're doing that. And they try this again. But I don't think there's a need to reboot a book. You can, Like, nobody's rebooted War and Peace. Like, nobody goes back to Kill a Mockingbird. Well, actually, no, they did try to do a sequel to, to Kill a Mockingbird. So it, didn't, it didn't go well. Um, but you know what I'm getting at? Like, like, you have that already there. Just go read that and just be okay with it. And enjoy finding new aspects that you missed. Like, watching... When you watch The Godfather, like there's going to be something you're like, oh, I never really noticed that. Or the older you get or the more wise and learned you get, you notice different things. So I guess my long answer is I don't think there's a need, Brian. I think they've done it and they did it well. And and they keep trying and it's not working well in, in other ways. So I, I hope I hope they don't try it another way soon. So, so I, I agree with all of that. I, I mean, I read everything that Brian sent, but I, my reading of his question, I, and I could be wrong, but either way, I think it's an interesting sort of twist on this. I, I took the question more to be, assuming death of Superman never happened, oh. could you execute something like this now? Now, this becomes a little bit of an interesting thought exercise because we've had so many deaths of other characters. Yeah. Have those also not happened? So, because I do think that changes the equation a little bit, but- even putting that out oh. for a second, I I don't think it, I, at least well. at least creatively, I because I think what what Brian is getting at here is something that I do I do very much agree with that. I mean, I so it's, anyway, he says the death of Superman wasn't the main event. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I think I think it was certainly you know to, yeah. to an extent, but I agree wholeheartedly that it was everything that came after yeah. that really gave this legs and made it work. And I think cemented this as, as what it is and what it's remembered for. I think if it's just the battle and then a quick return, I don't, I don't know that we're talking about it to this extent. I think it was the fact that they really mined that emotional fallout and then gave us this like awesome blockbuster sequel with ring and introduced all these characters. There was, there was so much there 
And, but I do, to Brian's point, I mean, I think the reason why so much of this worked and especially funeral was that you had the supporting cast. And I've said this a million times, especially when mm-hmm. we do our triangle era events, but the supporting cast was the secret weapon. Yeah. And the subplots were the secret sauce of this era. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I don't think you, I don't think you've had that. We've had that in the books to that extent really yeah. since this time. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I think some version of it, I'm sure, could exist, but I, I don't know that it would work because that's the thing. When you remove the main character, it's like, okay, now what do you do? But they had this infrastructure in place, right? There were all of these characters, and you could. There were so many different perspectives to explore. So I, I, that's, I think, why ultimately this worked. Yeah. I now that I'm, I'm so okay. There's there's sides of that. Now that I'm hearing it, that question a different way. I think the answer is yes and no. So here's why it's a yes. It is a very different. It could be a very, very different type of story with John Kent in the picture. True. Uh, if John Kent is fighting along his side, like alongside of him or he's younger. I mean, let's say it happens now. John Kent as a, young adult being able to be there for his dad, his dad dying for his son, possibly. Um, we got, we still have Martha and Jonathan around. Like you're saying the supporting cast is not very present, but something we have much more present in the current DC universe that that was not as much. I do feel that the Trinity and the, and the Justice League themselves are much more present in the Superman universe than they were in the late eighties and nineties. So we, that it could have been a very different, like everything we were like upset about, they might've been able to pull off. Now the supporting cast argument, here's why that worked. I want you to think about how many actual issues in the Superman world we have from 1987 to 1993 versus like just from rebirth alone. Like it's not even close. It's, it's, it's not even close. We had four books a month, sometimes five like that. It's just, we had the ability to tell a soap opera with the supporting characters. And like you're saying, that's you take away Superman. Now people care. Cause it's like, Whoa, you're watching all my children on able or whatever, you know, you take out the main character, everybody else is still there and they're figuring out how to, how to live without their patriarch has died and that kind of stuff. It's still interesting, but now, yeah, I don't know. So yes and no is my answer. No, that's a good answer. And you bring up, you bring up a number of really good points. I, I do agree. The whole John aspect gives you a new angle to play. You know, and I think there's really something there. And I agree. I mean, look, if even for those of us who love the story, I don't know that anyone really thrilled at seeing Doomsday go up against, you know, Maxima and Booster Gold. Right. You know, no offense. But that's a fan well, of look at how, And look at how close John and Damien got. And if you have Batman in the picture there, too, fighting, fighting a Doomsday as a human greatest detective doesn't help you much. Like he's running interference. Like you, we've seen it in the animated versions. Like it's it's tough, but I just wonder. Like that, Brian. That could be really cool. Like it, it could be a very interesting take. And I think that's what we tried to see 
in the Death of Superman animated film. I think that's what they tried to remedy. They made it seem more now versus then. Yes, and I do want to circle back to the adaptations. I, I have one other, not so much a question, uh, it's not an audience question, but another sort of thought exercise here. I had mentioned yeah. this to you off mic. So uh, just to, actually yesterday, or well, if you're listening, when you're listening to this two days ago, uh, the real life Daily Planet, there's a real life Daily Planet, dailyplanetdc.com, uh, released their Fall 22 magazine, and it is devoted to the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. And uh, I was very fortunate. I had the opportunity to write an article on how the death of Superman shaped the landscape of the Triangle Era comics that followed yeah. up to and including the wedding. So again, for people who, who hopefully enjoyed our Death Till Wedding uh, series of episodes, I think this works as a very nice little companion or, or coda <laughs> to that. So I hope you will give that a read and read the whole magazine. I think it came together great. Shout out to Zach Benz for putting it all together. Our, our own, very own Perry White. But there's an article in there by uh, someone named Connor McKenna. I don't know, but it was very interesting. It's called, Why Do We Celebrate the Death of Superman? Mm. And essentially, Connor makes this point of, uh, you know, of why, you know, I, I guess, you know, in terms of the, the fandom and, and you know, from the, the publishing side, the industry, I suppose, like, why do we focus so much on the death rather than, you know, it brings up the point of other other stories generally, but even just in this context, why is it the death and not, for example, the uh, Superman's return in Reign of the Superman, right? Because when we do talk about this, I mean, it re you know, we really do zero in usually on the death of Superman. Uh, now, you know, we spoke, and I did a whole monologue about why the death means so much to me, but I guess just this, this big picture question, I would be curious yeah. for any take you have. I mean, you know, we always do talk about the religious comparisons between uh, uh, you know, Superman and Jesus. So I guess maybe another way to put this, this is not this, what the article is about, but sort of right. what's going through my mind. It would be like if we, you know, Christians were just all about Good Friday and then Easter right. was just sort of like, okay, like a little bit of an afterthought. So I don't know. I'm curious what, what your take on that is. Well, okay. So I was, it, before and off mic, we were talking about this too. So I think... I think when you get so vested in a universe, whether it be Superman, Star Wars, Harry Potter, no matter like you come to, I mean, or or for that matter, reading a book or watching a series, you become so almost enamored with the characters. Like they become the closest thing you could have to a fake friend, you know, or a fake family member. They're like we joked about watching like how I met your mother for all those seasons together. And when the show ended, we're like, we don't get to see our friends anymore. Like you, you become so connected to those characters. I think why we either honor or celebrate for lack of a better word, or glorify the death side is that the emotional weight that that carries when a character dies, like, when Dumbledore, sorry, spoilers, um, when Dumbledore dies in Harry Potter, that's that's big. That is the father of the entire character universe dying, and it's hard. It, it carries weight. And I think when you don't have that, like what are the air, what are the other characters going to fight for? Like without the death, we don't get steel. You know, we don't have 
other characters stepping up. We don't have Supergirl stepping up. We don't have like it, it, it builds something inside the other characters in our own families. When somebody dies, you take over the weight of that person. You move forward, you step in, you step up. And I think there's an emotional side of it that we we want to read about, we want to learn about so that we know how to deal with it in our own lives. I think that that's why we talk about it. I think it's why you and I, it's very special to us. There is something very hard when our favorite character dies. And then thank God he came back because like if, if he just didn't exist after 1993, what the heck are we wouldn't have, we would be talking about all this, but I think that side of it, you know, even when you think about when you're playing as a kid, you know, when, when you're pretending you're a character, when you're playing superheroes, somebody ultimately has to get killed in the story. And then I'm going to, I'll avenge your death. And they chase after the bad guys, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think it's important. I think, I think we inherently want to celebrate again, that's celebrates a weird word, maybe honor or glorify somebody's passing because we cared about them so much. And we, we hope they come back like Superman does, but they don't always do. Well said, my, I think that's a perfect answer to it. And I think this also kind of ties into the conversation I was having with Lord retail on on the other episode that's coming out because he, he brought up the point of, you know, he's curious, you know, it's about a 30th anniversary here. And so, you know, he, I know he has customers who weren't born when the story came out and he's like, what does this mean to them per se? Yeah. And Look, as, as with anything, you can always come to this in back issues and things like that. But I do think for those of us who do quote unquote celebrate, or like you said, honor, uh, yeah. I think is, is a good way to put it. This story, I do think that the shock of this at that moment in time yeah. does in large part account for wh- why it does mean so much and why we do gravitate to that. Uh, you know, again, I've told my story a million times about how this was my start, but I think for... Yeah. And I'll also say this, it's funny, not that I ever thought, oh, I'm the only one who started with Death of Superman, but it's been really interesting mm-hmm. in recent years, and especially leading up to this anniversary, because Jurgens in particular has been doing a ton of interviews, and he yeah. always talks about how so many people come up to him, and they're like, this got me into comics, or this got me into yeah. Superman. And I guess, like I said, it's not that I thought I was so unique, but I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't think this would be such a natural starting point general like i had again i had a very specific set of circumstances where everything sort of like clicked into place for me um but it's it's really cool like i like and I, like i'm happy about it it's not like oh man i thought i was the only one like i love the fact that there are so many people who who kind of got their start with this and as i wrote in in my article for for daily planet you know in my mind i forever think of myself as having just gotten into comics like i'm still relatively new at this it's been 30 yeah. years <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not so new anymore. But but anyway, but I do think that whether this was someone's first comic, like it was for me, or uh, just kind of a seminal moment in their journey, like for you and for so many others, I think right. just the there was so much at that moment in time. And you talk about the media coverage, and that was one thing that I really did like about the Jurgen story was how they were able to use the the anniversary of Superman's death within the, within the context of the story to sort of make some commentary about 
what was going on and, and is going on now in, in the real world with, with respect to the death of Superman. You know, they talk about how it was, it was all over the news everywhere you yeah. went. It's like, well, just like it was in the real world. So I think that's that's part of it too, especially for those of us who were there and really keep coming back to the story. I think there was just so much wrapped up in that experience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because my mom has a picture of me, I guess I think I'm maybe five, like, like jumping off like midair off the, like the dining room steps. I'm wearing like the Superman shirt and underoos kind of outfit, but like, I'm fine. Like I wasn't reading comics. Like Superman was like the granddaddy of all the superheroes, like on the DC side of things. And he wasn't like, he didn't need to read comics to know who Superman was. Like he, there, he was just a symbol of, awesomeness like like if you see a superman symbol that's so cool um so i think it it was a big deal because he was really the first superhero i feel that they decided we're gonna kill him like i don't and again i'm sure i i know i don't know what year like they killed captain marvel like the marvel side of captain marvel not the not just him but i just wonder like it was a that's a big deal it was this a character that's been around at that point for 60 almost years, like, and as a worldwide symbol, no matter whether you read or not, I think that was a big reason why it's still something that people are talking about. It was like, Oh, this is big. For sure. And I mentioned that I have that reprint of Superman 75. Uh, yeah. they, they include a transcript of a recent virtual roundtable with Mike Carlin and the four oh. writers of the, cool. of the death of Superman. And I think the forthcoming, Death of Superman, 30th anniversary hardcover has the full mm. transcript. This was an excerpt, but a couple of things. Carlin made the point, and we've addressed this on the show, and we, we've been accurate, yeah, I'm happy right. to say, but uh, he talked about, he reiterated how it wasn't the it wasn't the TV division, it wasn't Lois and Clark that forced the comics right. to wait. DC Comics made that decision. They wanted to tie into the show for the publicity. So we've we've addressed that. Ordway, I think was pretty sure it was Ordway in that roundtable, also made the point that there's this misconception. And I, I'm trying to remember when we were talking about this last year. Yeah, maybe we need some correction. I because Ordway made the point that I guess the 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 lore that's developed around this is that sales were sagging, mm-hmm. and this was one of the reasons why they did it. And he was very clear. He's like, you know, it's not that sales were were bad. He did say the books were performing vastly better on the newsstand than at yeah. comic shops. And right. there was just this sense that, especially among, I guess, the the, the older fans, I suppose, that they were taking yeah. the character for granted. And so this was an opportunity, hand in hand with, hey, we have to kill some time <laughs> yeah. uh, now that we're not doing the wedding. And, you know, Jurgens had this idea for a while, like he had wanted Superman to actually have a physical, uh, you know, a physical opponent who could challenge him in that right. way. And so like all of these forces kind of came together to create this story. But um, yeah, to whatever extent, I don't even remember, but if if we did sort of fall into that trap of, hell yeah, sales were down, that's, again, Ordway was very specific about that, that that was not the case, at least- you know, generally, um, maybe if they're a little soft on the comic shop side. Yeah. No, I don't think we need correction because when we talked, there was a discussion about the roundtable meeting and they were having their super team meeting. They were having the, what do we do next? What do we do now? And then we're not going to have the wedding. And that was the joke. Like, why don't we just kill? Like every time somebody would say, <laughs> let's just kill him. And then they finally went, oh, maybe we should. And, and then they're like, wait, really? Like we used to always joke about it. 
so no, I, I yeah, I don't I don't think it was ever because sales were down. I think it was what can we do that's different that we've never done before or that many have not done before. And here we are 30 years later talking about it. It is did did we do something for the 25th anniversary? Like I don't remember there being a 25th anniversary thing. Oh. It's odd to me, like, why is 30 an important number? Like, usually people celebrate 25 and 50. And that's why I was kind of like, what the hell is so important about 30? <laughs> you know what's funny? I remember the 20th because I remember they put out a new trade paperback, at right. least. I know there's also, there have been various printings of the omnibus. And I know right. maybe that's coincided with with anniversaries. But I remember, yeah. I remember... Yeah, you know what? I remember this very specifically because I made a Facebook post about it when I, I remember taking a photo of the 20th anniversary trade paperback at my yeah. old comic shop, The Late Alternate Realities. And I remember making a post about it because this coincided with the dawn of the new 52. And oh. I remember in my post being like, you know, I'll still have this story, but I, I can't follow DC in this new 52. Of course, look, my perspective has changed now. It, uh, you know, you never know. You never know where where you'll end up. But- <laughs> But I remember that. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know specifically. Anyone listening, please let me know. Was there any fanfare yeah. for the twenty fifth? We're only talking five years ago. I don't I don't know. Nothing no. immediately comes to my mind. It just threw me off because I was like, usually people celebrate like silver and gold, and especially since we I don't know use those words with comic books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I also do want to go back when you know the 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 Brian question about how many copies, and I know I said you know uh, yeah. again I got this. Sean very graciously gifted me that one copy that I talked about, and I have two coming from Acme. Yeah, it's um, it's funny in part because of the eleven dollar price tag, but also my yeah. my collecting has changed a lot. Where yeah. I don't even really consider myself much of a collector. Most of the stuff that's on my shelf or in the box that I have in my closet. Right. It's just the stuff that means something to me. Right. Not that this doesn't mean something to me, but uh, you know, especially the question about like different covers, I'm pretty happy to look at the art online yeah. and be like, Oh, that's beautiful. Maybe I'm making my wallpaper or something like that. I don't, I don't, I no longer have this feeling of, Oh, I have to own that physical right. copy. And I'm very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I got just the the typical A cover A. That's going to be my I'm reading this copy. Like I was fine feeling like I read it. I'm not I'm not throwing it down the stairs, but I'm also I'm okay looking at it. Um, I'm like this with all variants and this kind of stuff now too. Like I have to really go. Ooh, that's that's a great depiction. I've never seen a depiction of something like that for me to buy it because again, they're not cheap. Like it's another six bucks or five bucks for a book. Um, I mean, I've got bins of all the Superman stuff that I love. I've got all those books, but I have really two or three short boxes of like special books that are either a variant or like a uh, like a number one of something that is either worth a decent amount of money or it's a special book for me, like. It won't be special to many, but like the last Starfighter movie adapt adaptation, I have that like in comic book form. There's silly little things that I find valuable. Not everybody finds valuable. And I think you resonate with that too. Totally. So listen, again, I, I want to circle back to those other stories in the special, but before that, yeah. let's talk about adaptations uh, a little bit, because I, I think this is interesting. First, a preliminary question. And the answer for me is no, or more specifically, not yet. 
Uh, have you read either or both of the uh, Roger Stern and Louise Simonson novelizations? I have read the the Death and Return of Superman novel, the, the hardcover. Okay. I have it in the back room. Yeah. Because uh, I guess Louise Simonson also did like a, it was more for younger readers. Yes. But she did one as well. I own the Roger Stern one. It's been on my shelf. Another gift from Sean Hendricks. This guy, you know, Fat Moose Comics. I know you heard the commercial already, but really, this guy really takes, takes care, care of me and I do appreciate yeah. it. Uh, so I've not yet read it, which I know people are probably like, how have you not read this? There's a, there's a little part of me that's just, I like, I kind of like knowing that there's still something new. Oh, it's to excellent. Come. It is. It is excellent. It, and it, it it is, I've never been huge on reading like movie novel, novelizations. I think there's some things that are added, not added, but it's just, I don't know. It's not the same. Well, they're usually based on the original screenplay. So Correct. it is kind of, it can be an interesting experiment to compare, right? It's not, so it's yeah. not so much that they're adding, but it's more like the movie, you know, changed right. or took away and you get to see what the original intent was. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but this, this death and return novelization, it is so fun to read. Because we already have the artwork in our heads. And I think it's seeing the descriptions. It's all the stuff in between the bubbles. You know, all the stuff that we we had to create for ourselves in between the word bubbles that is really well exposed in the actual prose. I think it's great. Um, yeah, the, the Simonson one, I feel like it's called like Doomsday and Beyond or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a different, it's like a smaller paperback. But, um, but the Roger Stern one's, it is it, it's a good paperweight baby like it's it's a home defense system you could you can hit somebody with it and take a take a knock them out maybe it's good it's 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 read it get on it come on I, we're gonna get there on the podcast we, we will get there uh yeah i just have not read it yet surprisingly i know um similarly i have not read or not not read i have not yet listened to the bbc uh audio dramatization have you listened to that is that is that the superman lives i believe so yeah yeah, that's me. I've got, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I have the CD version. Yeah. I, as, as do I. And this was a gift from a listener, Josh. So thank you very much. People really, really hook me up with stuff. And I, as do you as well. I mean, I really, I'm, uh, I'm very honored by all of this. Yeah. Uh, so those are the novelizations and the BBC radio show. Those are, those are a couple of things that I've not yet mined. I will, we'll cover it on the show. But, when we talk about adaptations, you know, direct or loose or spiritual, however you want to call it. Yeah. I think we, you know, we, again, we have a few different categories here. We have something like the animated movies, Superman Doomsday, which, uh, you know, was more or less a direct adaptation though, excised most, most of, <laughs> I think the most interesting yeah. aspects <laughs> of the storyline, but just gave yeah. you a very streamlined, uh, depiction of a battle with Doomsday and a return and a battle between two supermen. And it was, it was very, very stripped down to accommodate a, a 75 minute runtime. Uh, more recently, we have the two part movie adaptation, the death of Superman and reign of the Superman. And that gave you a, a significantly more. And I think was probably maybe with the exception of the no- novelization, the most faithful yeah. direct adaptation we've had of these stories. I really enjoy watching those i've i've i think i've rewatched those now three times and it's enjoyable to watch it's i think that's the closest we're going to get that's probably true i mean on the live actions well actually still in the realm of animation i know justice league unlimited did 
give us Doomsday or a version of Doomsday, but they did not do a right. full-on death story. They did no. give us that hereafter two-parter in the Justice League series where Superman seemingly dies. So you do get to see an aspect of the world mourning him, but it's still not, not a direct adaptation no. of this. And then, of course, in live action, we have Superman's death at the hands of Doomsday or a version of Doomsday in Batman v Superman and then his eventual resurrection. So again, that... No, I would not say, oh, that's a direct adaptation. Obviously, they used elements and the broadest right. strokes of that, but that was certainly not like a death and rain yeah. adaptation per se. You know, And then I, there's I whatever think, the hell Smallville did at the end of season eight uh, with the whole Clark Kent I, I, I knew you were going to bring it up. I knew you were going to say it. I was like, don't say Smallville season eight. Don't. You have to include it in the conversation. Uh, I I have now, after watching, I'm, I'm watching Titans on... HBO Max and how they're making that show and how we can really push the limits. Um, I feel like HBO Max would be the best way to do like a 10 hour, like a 10 episode, one hour death and return to Superman series, just one season done. Like, and I would watch the living heck out of that. Cause I think they would actually do it right. And they would have access to, I think, really great budgets and CGI and, and actors too. So I would love to see that. Well, I think you get at what is the kind of a fundamental frustration or maybe not even that far, but just this curiosity, right? Where I think you hit the nail on the head that any true adaptation of this needs to be long form. What's yeah. fascinating to me and like it just defies logic is since the death of Superman in the comics, we had a four-season Lois and Clark series, a 10-season Smallville series. We're heading into season three, which, let's face it, is going to be the end for Superman and Lois, but still, yeah. three seasons. You heard that news, I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the CW, as, as, it, as it's existed, is not long for this world. So, yeah. you know, I, and I know, I know people are probably quick to say, oh, it might end up elsewhere. I think given all the other goings on with the, with, with Warner Brothers Discovery yeah. and their new heads of DC films, I just, I think this is going to be, and I just hope that they can, I hope they see the writing on the wall. I hope they craft a great ending and we get a, a complete, you know, yeah. three season arc. That would be beautiful. I would love that. With, with a new actor. <laughs> and then, yes, with the new, I know with the new, with the new son. And yeah. then, uh, and then on the animated side, you know, you had from Superman, the animated series through Justice League Unlimited, you had years yes. worth of an ongoing narrative here. And it's crazy to me that we've not had, because that is, I think, the best way to do it because you need the time. And I think when you look at something like that first movie, att that first animated movie attempt, Superman Doomsday, when you try to like shove this into 75 minutes, the only way to do it is to cut out yeah. What makes all of this interesting? So you don't have any of the heroes falling in battle before Superman. You don't have that fully realized supporting cast to mourn him. You don't have the four replacements showing up, each sort of representing a different aspect of who Superman is, but no one quite on the mark. You know, you're left with this one doppelganger yeah. uh, who he has the showdown with. So it's just, you you lose so much. And I think, you know, I mean, look, if I if I had to, make that movie in 75 minutes, I'd probably do something similar. It's like, I, I think given the yeah. confines of what they had, their choices made sense, but this is just not a story built for that. 
you know, and and so doing it over two movies definitely, I think, I think I do think as far as direct adaptations go, that is the best that we've had so far. I really love yeah. those latter two uh, animated movies a lot, but it just shows you need the real estate, you need the screen time to tell right. the story properly. But it's just crazy to me that we've had all of these series. <laughs> well, and I think, I think now that it seems, and again, we're, I don't want to say this before I see it, but I feel like the new direction that maybe DC and Warner Brothers might get to have now with some people that actually have a clue. I I think that the, the DC films, they're, they're getting smarter about not doing as much too soon, but the HBO max thing is the way to go guys. Like you could tell a great story in 10 hours and, 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 and you can decide either to be done or do another series, like do another season with those characters. But yeah, like I, I'm with you totally. I just don't understand why it doesn't seem that hard. Like just read the trades, see how long it takes to read the trades. And that's how long the movies need to be. <laughs> like it's not hard to figure out. Yeah. And especially now that we're at a point, look, if Lois and Clark had attempted this, I don't know oh. what on earth their doomsday would have been, you know? So, but by the yeah. time we got to Smallville, certainly the technology was at a point where they and oh. we had we had Doomsday on the show, you know. And he looked in that mid-season episode. It was like maybe episode eight, episode the, ten, at, Bride. Yeah, the Bride one. Yeah, Doomsday looked incredible. That was the that was the high point of that season, man. The first and then half they of season eight they should have just stopped, <laughs> like, and said, "Just kidding," and then did season nine. Um, but I loved the way, like, clearly the technology was doable, and I'm like, "Oh man, that would have been cool." And even more so now that at the point where we are with Superman and Lois and I yes. you know they teased Doomsday and then pivoted, but you know, we had, we even prior to Superman and Lois saw Doomsday brought to life on Krypton, yeah. which I still haven't watched, but it's coming and coverage is coming soon. So stay tuned. I got to watch that show. I haven't watched any of it yet. It's That's uh, on my list. I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. But I, I guess my point is I feel like so many of the pieces are in place and telling it over a number of episodes just lets yeah. you have the story breathe. And what's, what's, you know, it's funny because it's not like this was the intention when the creators made this, but the, the, the comic book inspiration gives you a way to still keep your lead actor yeah. in the mix and you can do it any number of ways. I mean, certainly he could play the cyborg character. You can do the afterlife bits. Uh, you know, it can be the eradicator. He's wearing freaking sunglasses. Exactly. There's so many like, things that you could do. Yeah. It's just odd to me that, and especially now, I mean, again, we're young. We may get there. We might be 50 or 60, <laughs> but I feel like we're going to, we'll get there. Somebody's going to go like, okay, now we can do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I love your idea of HBO Max. I know that after crisis, there were a lot of fans, myself included, who who were clamoring for a Brandon Routh Kingdom Come HBO yeah. Max series. I feel like, you know, there's a guy who who can still do this and there's an appetite among the fans to see him in the costume. I think maybe there's a way to, Oh, I would see Tom Welling in a heartbeat if that's where you're going. Cause no, I was thinking Brandon Routh, Tom Welling, oh, you know, I think Tom <clears throat> Welling would pull off the aged kingdom come. Oh yeah, sure. But you know, if it involves wearing a costume, I, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't hold my breath, but, but anyway, I, I think that whether it's Brandon Routh or Welling or someone, right. new, I, I do think, that would be the the place now. Yeah. 
as much of a defender as I have been of the Snyder movies, you know this and the audience knows this. Yeah. I do, you know, since we've had a doomsday and a death of Superman on the big screen fairly recently, yeah. I feel like as much as look, as much as we see ideas get recycled a lot, I don't know that we would see this again anytime soon. No, I think it would have to be, it'd have to be in at least 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Or there, or it would just be a different, like how, again, like HBO max, for example, is you could do a different, it's just not the same universe. You know, like the Titans is not in the same universe as other stuff going on right now. Like that, that's the nice thing that they're trying to keep them separate. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, we may, we may someday, we may, we may be lucky that when Henry Cavill does get eventually like too old to do this anymore, and he is officially done for reals, that that maybe they'll have a, a newer actor take over, and then and then they'll they'll reboot some stuff. Yeah, I, well, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention in Crisis. You know, when Lex Luthor was going around killing all the Superman of the multiverse, we did get that yeah. imagery of the Bitsy Tulloch and, and Tyler Hecklin versions of the character of her, you know, cradling him in her arms. It was brief, but they had right. that, that iconic, that iconic image. So I, I appreciated that. I'm not going to turn this into a whole Snyder episode, but what was, what was your take on the death as depicted in Batman v Superman and the, the role that it served? Man, it's so, so interesting that my wife, who has been with me through the whole journey as early as college and getting these books and talking about this and hearing me talk about this ad nauseum. And she went with us and Val to go see the Batman Superman Dawn of Justice movie. And it was incredible that she was the first one to say, that's just not the way it should have been. <laughs> And, and me and Belle went, thank you. Like for her to say that, like that was that kind of her take was there should have either been one movie that was the Batman and Superman stuff. And then basically doomsday shows up at the end. Uh, Wonder Woman shows up and they're both going, who this chick? And the movie ends there. And then the next third movie is Trinity and the three of them have to figure out who Doomsday is fights Doomsday. He dies. And it's, it makes more sense. And that's why the justice league is then forming the fourth movie, but they did a typical DC move and crammed 10 pounds of movie into a two pound bag and said, good luck. And, and we didn't like it. So <laughs> Uh, no, I, I understand. Uh, there's, it's a lot of movie. It's a lot of yeah. movie. It's not a light watch. It's very dense, but I, I, I am a fan of it. I will say though, the, the depiction of the death, the first time I watched, I remember coming out of the theater and feeling, I guess like you and your wife, like I, that was too much too fast. Right. And the other thing, and I know this is, I know there've been a lot of criticisms. I know one of the criticisms specifically about the death was Again, certainly going off of the comic book inspiration, he dies in the comics at a point where he is known and beloved and he's had this lengthy tenure and he dies for the city, right? And they yeah. mourn him. Whereas here, this is a world, look, going back to the Christ analogy, this is a war, he dies for a world that has persecuted him. Yeah. 
And I, I think I, I think I shared that criticism initially. My perspective has changed because I recognize, well, the, the death here was meant to serve a different purpose. Like in the context of this story where the world right. has doubted him at every turn and questions his, questioned his motivations, he still makes the choice to die for them. And in yeah. so doing is able to finally inspire and unite them. And, you know, so it, again, it's, it's, sir, it comes at a different, a vastly different point in his journey and serves a different purpose. Yeah. So in terms of, yeah, direct adaptation, no, it doesn't line up, but in that context, like that was a choice to use it in that way. And I've come around on it, but I, I understand people who, who kind of bristle against that. And like I said, I, I did initially too. I understand. And I'm never, I'm never not like, I still rewatch, you know, BVS. I don't not I'm like, no, I don't like what it did. I'm not going to watch it ever again. It's, it's a part of Canon. It's there. Like it's not going anywhere, but I feel the death of Superman in 93 in the comics, they built, they had a lot of chips in the bank, man. Like when John Byrne took over and rebooted everything that post-crisis, they put a lot of chips in the bank for people to give a crap. And like, I just feel like if you're going to kill Superman, you got to put a lot of chips into the audience. So do Man of Steel, do Man of Steel 2, do Batman versus Superman. And then I think both the Earth in the movies and the Earth in real life would actually care more because there wasn't a movie since 2006. Like, no, and, and that was, there wasn't a movie before then since 1980 something, you know? So, yeah, I guess that to me was why it's like, I, it wasn't about the characters in the movie. To me, it was the people going to see the movie. Like, why should they care Superman died? That's that's what always bothers me the most. And that's what Renee was getting at. She's like, no, that was too rushed. Like, what if Lana was watching this shoot and she didn't know anything about Superman? Would she care that he died? So it was just it's just an interesting conversation. But yeah. No, it's true. And I know I know this speaks to larger audience frustrations with the, you know, the Superman as depicted in those movies. Um and like I I've talked about this a lot. I know my perspective yeah. has shifted and I've I you know, I, again, I, I just think the one thing I'll say is <laughs> the, you know, when, the, when this comes up about him not, you know, not being or not acting, uh, heroically. Right. And, and because he's, and, and the fact that just in terms of the, the character's disposition, that he's not, not always sunny and smiling and cracking jokes. It's like, well, right. again, in terms of this world that he's been placed in and the challenges that he's faced with, I think everything sort of flows naturally. And in fact, he's, he's quite heroic because he's still doing yeah. it. Like he, again, he dies for this world that has, that has doubted him and, and kind of turned him away in, in, in a lot of respects. So, well, and I'm so excited. I, I know that's weird, but I, I'm so excited that he gets more chances Yeah, that, that Henry Cavill Superman gets more chances. There's so much speculation now that I can't even look at it. I'm like, no, just, just tell me when it's confirmed stuff. Don't don't speculate anymore. But I mean, I think it's going to be really cool for now him to be the loved Superman, like that he might be back post Justice League, whether it's the Joss one or, you know, whatever. But now it's people hopefully will really love him. And he is trying to save like if whether it's Brainiac or whoever, I think it's gonna be really exciting. 
We'll see. I know you mentioned the Black Adam episode. Yeah, people, I, I do have an episode on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Anthony Desiata. We just did an episode on the Black Adam movie and that post credit scene and the future of Superman on screen. So, you know, we talked about a lot. Um, like I said, I, I I came around a lot on the way the death was, was used in Batman v Superman. And as far yeah. as the resurrection, I know I said this when we covered Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'll, I'll reiterate here. The, the scene of Super of Clark walking through the ship and hearing the voices of his fathers is one of yeah. my all-time Superman moments from anything. It always brings a tear to my eye. I love it. Followed shortly by one of my all-time favorite Superman action moments when he shows up and kicks the crap out of Steppenwolf. So that movie gave me two of my two of my favorite Superman moments. I will say, and you know this, because when we talked about death and funeral and, and rain and everything, mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved so much about that was Adventures 500, where we get to see Clark and Jonathan in the afterlife. And you see yeah. that, you know, it's not, it's not just that Eradicator puts Superman's body in the rejuvenation matrix, right? There's this whole other component he's he's actually fighting to come back and it's this the you know sort of both parts of who he is that he yeah. that he needs in order to in order to do this and i wished that you know it was a four-hour movie i wish that there could have been two minutes for a scene with clark and jonathan in the afterlife something to just kind of show what was going on on the other side as opposed to them just putting him in that mother box bath and he's back well i mean if zach snyder did like 20 minutes less of slow motion you might have gotten that would have been really good <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh, yeah i mean i don't I, I don't mind the slow motion but yeah i mean it's i, I would have sacrificed some of it for for a, for a scene like that i, I like a, something like that really would have gone i guess you can argue hearing the voices in the ship is yeah. kind of a, a substitute for that but I, I think it would have been cool to see I love the Snyder cut. I mean, I think it's, I think everybody should watch it. I think it's worth watching it. I think it's long, but it's, it's a slow burn. It's good. I think there's a lot to it that adds to the mythos. I think it's important that if you're a Superman fan, you should watch it. Um, And the black Adam episode is great. Like I love listening to it. Um, Holy crap though. Like if you don't like hearing the F word, don't like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Justin's got I, a bit of a potty mouth, no doubt. Justin's got Justin's mouth. It's hilarious. It's I can't stop laughing sometimes. It's like, wow, he used that as a verb, a noun, and an adjective all in the same <laughs> sentence. That was impressive. <laughs> well, that's why whenever he's on the main show, we got to throw up that explicit tag. But <laughs> but it was it was a fun episode, and it's and, a great episode. It's a lot of fun. No, thank you. And, and I, again, I know I mentioned the Smallville season eight. It will forever haunt me. But you know, for anyone who's not familiar, this was the Doomsday season, and I mean spoilers. Mm. But at the end of the season, uh, Clark manages to separate Doomsday from his human host, Davis Bloom. Right. The idea here is that Doomsday was able to adopt human camouflage. Which right. I here's the thing. As far it's as, a cool idea. I will a, tell you, that's a cool idea. To this day, I, I always say that even though it was, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, and even though yeah. it was born out of the fact that, hey, we don't have the budget to bring Doomsday to life 22 right. times, and also we're the CW and we need a hunky guy for people to look at, uh, yeah. even even still, I thought it was a great idea because we know from the comics, Doomsday always evolves and adapts. So the idea yeah. that he would develop this human camouflage yeah. It's great. Like it was a it was a great great idea that it's funny in the 
Jurgen's story and the special that we were talking about, we have a guy sort of morphing into Doomsday. But to yeah. my knowledge, I, could, I mean, and I've covered virtually everything in recent years, unless I'm like totally spacing on something or I fell through the cracks. But have any comics utilized this idea? Uh, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but but maybe the fact that nothing comes to mind is kind of is the answer. Well, yeah. Now keep in mind they kind of did something like this already with the Super Doom arc. Super okay, that's the that's from uh wait, from Action that? Comics. It's like it's 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 they're, they're one of the most recent iterations of Doomsday. I think it was in the new 52, I want to say. Okay, because I did skip that that crossover stuff. Well, I might circle yeah, back a, to it down the okay. line. That's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was basically that Clark, there's a, a doomsday virus. So like he is becoming doomsday from the inside out. So it's a little of that. Like they kind of took a little of that for this. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe somewhat inspired, but still not to the extent that we got on the show. I still think it's a great idea. I think when we talk about all of the adaptations, uh, direct or otherwise, I think that's a really cool addition to the mythology. So, you know, at the end of the season, Clark is able to use black kryptonite to separate Davis, the human side from doomsday, you know, thinking that he saved the good part of this monster. Uh, But Davis then proceeds to kill one of Clark's friends. I'll keep, I'll leave it at that for anyone who wants to watch. And, the the end of that of that season is Clark walking away from Chloe. Right, he's had the realization that he he made he made the wrong you know he made the wrong choice. Like he chose Davis's humanity, and the human part was really the monster. And so now he's decided to turn his back essentially on his human side. Right, and yeah. he's just going to be the blur, and he's going to save people. But as he says, as he walks away, Clark Kent is dead. Yeah. Everything else aside, I guess, because uh, that yeah. there's a lot more to talk about with that season finale. But that that aspect of it, this version of giving us like a death, so to speak, d- did that work for you in any respect? Uh, <laughs> the first, the first half of that season, I thought, oh, we're going somewhere really cool. I everything you said, I jive with. I think it's, I think it's a cool take. I think they were trying hard. I just, I just can't. I, I, and 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 how they ended it again. If they, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm not going to spoil it. But how they ended it pissed me off more than it gave me closure. I was like, oh, son of a, like it was just, it just made me upset. But I, I, it's like I tell my students too. Like there's, tif- there's lots of different types of music. I don't gotta like all of it, but I appreciate it. So. Let's 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 all let's say this too. We got to remember that, like when when Anthony's doing a podcast and we have all these and all these guests come on, it does sound like we kind of shit on stuff. But let's remember the fact that we're all still really excited that we have like tons of content to either talk about, celebrate, or shit on. <laughs> because, like, if we were doing a podcast between 1987. And 2006, it'd be about an hour long. There wouldn't be as much to talk about. We'd have Lois and Clark and a few things here, but like we've got a lot of stuff. It's like with Star Wars fans get all hot and bothered on like the new series that came out. I'm like, guys, you should be freaking happy. There's content to see and talk about. Yeah, sorry, that's my little soapbox. No, no, I agree. And I, you know, look, I I always say it, and I think I I think people know that we it, yeah. it comes from a place of love, yeah, and, and passion and. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, and you know, there's there's plenty good that we always have to say. But the other thing too is, <laughs> you know, if I, I, I think this kind of jumping off of what you were saying, I, you know, if we just loved everything, oh. this would not be very interesting. Or I don't know how interesting the conversations would be to have or to no, listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would hope, I would hope the listeners are also, we're kind of the voice that they probably have in their head sometimes. They're like, yeah, I didn't like how they did that either. I'm glad somebody else agrees with that. Or, oh, I kind of like that. And now they at least go, oh, I wonder why I like that. And and they, and we ask ourselves that question. We're not trying to convince anybody of liking something or not liking something, but we look at both sides and go, you know, this could have been cool. Oh, I like this. And even you and I don't always see eye to eye on certain things, but we've definitely always say, Hey, I appreciate what they were trying to do there. I just didn't enjoy it. Like you might watch something three times. I might watch it once and I'll be like, that's fine. You know, but, but I, I think, like you said, it makes for interesting listening on an episode. You find yourself agreeing or disagreeing. Totally. The last thing I'll say on Smallville is just, I, I, I have to imagine there someone in the writer's room was very pleased with themselves when they came oh, up yeah. with this idea, right? Because of course they know the comic book inspiration, the death of Superman, and at whatever point they knew that they weren't doing that, but they wanted to have something death, death of something. And someone's like, well, death of Clark, but we don't kill him, but we just like his Clark Kent identity, <laughs> which yeah. that too, of course, was a comic book story that we talked about. But anyway- uh, yeah, not not a high point for the show, but did introduce an interesting idea with respect to Doomsday. As far as the adaptations go, is there anything else that that we didn't hit on that you want to say? Uh, I, I feel like we covered most. We of covered them. all. We covered a lot of them. I mean, the thing I think the thing you also wanted to touch on was where have we also seen Superman die before? You know, where that's the segue to the next section. I think you wanted to touch on too was like, have we seen this before? But haven't really talked about it as much and it's not glorified as much as the 30 year anniversary but it but still existed yeah i mean there are a number of pre-crisis stories imaginary or otherwise where superman dies or at least seemingly dies uh you know we've we've covered some of them on the show before uh superman 149 the death of superman which was an imaginary story uh we definitely touched on that before that's maybe uh, probably the most famous of the ones uh, sort of on this list. And there was, there was a screen rant article that I had sent you that had uh, yeah. broken down some of these and, and, you know, audience, if there are any pre-crisis death of Superman stories that we don't mention that you know of, please let me know. Uh, yeah. I would love to check them out, but uh, there were a number of others. I did read the school for Superman assassins uh, from Superman yeah. <laughs> 188. I wondered is, if you did 188. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it it is interesting, right? Because you do have a number of these. I mean, I'll just rattle them off real quick. But the the death of Superman from one forty nine that I mentioned, the last days of Superman from Superman one fifty six. He doesn't die there, but he is sort of confronted with his mortality uh, with this virus that then comes back in Action three sixty three, which that issue I've not read. Uh, the Superman Assassin School issue, which I just mentioned. Uh, right. Action 387, where I think Lex, there's, I did not get to that one, but I think there's uh, Lex sends him to the future, something with the future. I know that yes. uh, is an issue there. Uh, and there's a World Finest issue with Dr. Light and a Justice mm-hmm. League issue called Carnival of Souls from 145. Those are the main ones that were mentioned on that list. Um, like I yeah, said, a couple I had already read, and then I read The School for Superman Assassins. What what would you like to talk about with, with respect to this? Um, I I actually like... I didn't think I would like it, but though it's not the, do you want to talk about pre-crisis or the other ones too? 
the I would say yeah pre wait what were the post crisis ones? Well, I mean, don't forget we've I mean we're between the kingdom. Um, oh god! That whole, yeah. <laughs> like there's that side of things. There's the All Star Superman side of things. There's the um, the last days of Superman. Basically, the end of the New Fifty Two. Yes. Um, <clears throat> which that that one well, I'll talk about in a little bit if you want to. But I, I actually enjoyed that more than I thought I would. Um, mostly because it was killing the New Fifty Two. But um, but yeah, pre crisis, I think whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow is that is my favorite pre-crisis i guess is that pre-crisis yeah or is that, that's I the guess last that's the, the last very last uh, yeah very last yeah those two it's superman what is it 423 and 383 no it's 583 and yeah something like that 423 but um yeah where he goes into the the gold kryptonite room and theoretically kills he dies but then the, the question at the end is, is he really Jordan Elliott, who's married to Lois, which is a, the greatest play on Jor-El ever. But uh, have, when was the last time you read those two, those two back to back? Oh, fairly recently. I think maybe yeah. a year ago, or maybe a little bit. Well, maybe was it two years ago now, about a year and a half. We'll split the I feel difference. like you did an episode, but it wasn't on this show. <clears throat> well, so I did an episode years ago before I ever did Digging for Kryptonite. I did a run of episodes on my Patreon page, and one yeah. of them was on this. But then, uh, yeah, wait, what was the? Oh, you know when we when I read this and we talked about it, <laughs> I did my episode. Uh, how the Arrowverse failed the Clark Kent of Smallville, all about how I did not like the way Crisis handled Tom Welling's yes. Clark Kent. Right. In that instance, and that <clears throat> clearly took an inspiration from whatever happened to the management. That's where we talked about it. So right. It's Got funny because it. okay. when you said, but other stories, and I was like, wait, what other stories? Literally, I have it. I'm looking at my Excel list and I've got my other uh-huh. category. And they were there. I was like, what is he talking about? It's like, oh yeah, those. Because um, yeah. I was really dialed in on those, those other pre-crisis stories. But yeah, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow... We'll get to it more in the future, but yeah, uh, it's the best thing that I can say about that story is, you know, of course I appreciate it more now that I've delved more into pre-crisis Superman, but the fact that even when that was the only pre-crisis Superman story I read, it was still one of my favorite stories. I don't know what higher praise I could give it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially he's kind of saying goodbye to everybody and it's, it's a great, it's a great two-parter and a really cool way to finish off that whole chapter of comic book history for the DC universe. It's great. I'll say, you know, with the death, the first, the death of Superman, Superman 149, the imaginary story where, you know, Lex Luthor seemingly turns over a new leaf and, yeah. uh, you know, Superman's on board and they're palling around and they're working together. And of course it's all a ruse and Lex kills Superman with kryptonite and Superman does not return. Uh, no. <laughs> nope. I, I, I look at that and I think it's a great Luthor story. I don't, yeah. you know, as far as a Superman story goes, he's just, seem pretty easily bested and yeah. permanently defeated. So it, you know, it, it's, it's definitely worth reading. I mean, if you're looking for, you know, sort of some quintessential pre-crisis stories, yeah. definitely read it, but it's, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I love that story. <laughs> those, those, that era, um, my mom actually has a number of those titles. Like she showed me a lot of those issues she has at her house still. Um, and they're in quite good condition from the like mid fifties to early sixties. But there's a lot of great imaginary stories where like all the loves of Superman, how they died and why they died. Like you have Lois and Lana and Laura Lamaris. There's an incredible issue about that too, but there's some really cool 
uh, late silver, early bronze issues about just death of characters in general. It's cool. Gotcha. Well, it, it's very interesting too, especially now, you know, we're not talking anymore right now about adaptations of the 1992 story, other instances right. of a Superman dying, right? Cause you mentioned the, the, the new 52 farewell and, yeah. and even something like new 50 or infinite crisis where the earth Two Superman dies, right? There yeah. are other instances of things like that where I think, uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and all-star Superman are particularly interesting is that they're the final chapter yeah. in that version of the character story. So, yeah. you know, that puts a whole other spin and, and a weight to it. Uh, again, both of those are things that we will have a lot more coverage on in the future, but and not that not to choose between the two of them, but I don't know. I, I guess out of out of out of those two or anything else, if it if it would apply here, I mean, what what do you gravitate to most as far as a final Superman story from the whole list? It's interesting because if we're talking about the death of Superman ninety two. Um, didn't did Jerkins originally bring them back? So the Lois and Clark miniseries after Convergence, like that was the way of having like another crisis without using the word crisis. And we knew like, oh, we're bringing back everything before the New Fifty Two, like and and like in parentheses because the New Fifty Two didn't really work out very well. Um, but they needed to figure out how do we get rid of the New Fifty Two Superman since we're bringing back the one from 1987 to 2011 and they had to kill him off. And it was kind of interesting because he didn't really do anything. Like it was like, it was a Superman that was around for five years, but they had to kill him to allow the, that 1987 Superman with the beard and the black suit um, and young John Kent when Lois to show up and become part of continuity again. So like I was I gravitate towards that because it was a death that actually had meaning. Like it was, we're killing off that Superman to bring back the Superman that we've known for th- almost 25 years at that point. Um, so it was a, it wasn't the death um, just for the sake of killing. It was a death that had purpose in my mind. No, I get what you're saying. No, your, your point is well taken there. Yeah. Because yeah, I know it's not like, it's quickly undone or anything like that. It's right. You know, that, that character is gone, but it, but it's not someone who was just, you know, like you said, five or no more than, Oh no. At that point. Yeah. It was five. Yeah. Five five was, years. Yeah. 2011 to 2016. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I hear you. I guess, I mean, for me, I, I do always go to, to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. I, I need to spend more time with all-star. I know it is so beloved. I don't dislike it, it. I've, my enjoyment of it has not risen to the level that I know it does for a lot of people, but I will be spending more time with it. There's a lot of stuff that I really love in it, but I, in my heart, I really do always go back to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. It's just, I mean, now so much. Have you done, have you done an episode run on all-star yet? Not yet. We'll get there. Yeah. And see, like I would have, if you don't have somebody, I would happily unpack that with you because I think the only way you're going to appreciate knowing you is if you have to do an episode on it and have to do the deconstruct deep dive, you're going to, poop your pants. There's, there's a lot of crazy good stuff in there. Well, the thing that 
Okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to derail us here. We'll circle back to the. Oh yeah, the, it's okay. Yeah, our, our, we're at the. Our, we're at two hours, I think, on this. Almost on this almost, one issue. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the last thing I'll say about All Star, I think, you know, to put it as as like bluntly as possible, I don't think I really got it the first time around because, you know, I was so used to reading a certain version of Superman, and this was before yeah. I had read really any pre-crisis Superman. Now I can yeah. look at it and say, oh, I see what. Morrison is oh. pulling from and there's oh yeah this is all of Superman's history distilled down into this story so I yeah. know the next time I really spend time with it I know I'll get a lot more out of it and I've got some ideas you know we can sort of yeah there can be a look at the stories that were ins that inspired Morrison and in any event uh that that's definitely fodder for future discussion so uh the, the I guess the one other pre-crisis story that uh, the, the, the one that I specifically read uh, just before we sat down to record was Superman 188, The School for Superman Assassins. So you have read that one? Yeah, it's it's pretty rough, man. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. So there's this, it, on another planet, there's a school for Superman assassins. They practice yep. on Superman robots. Yeah. And this star student has this idea to essentially uh, transform kryptonite into radio waves. Yeah. And- uh, makes a couple of attempts when he gets to Earth. The first one uh, hits an actor uh, who's just playing Superman. So that first attempt is is a fumble. But yeah. then uh, he again this this kid this kid <laughs> this student is a real go getter. So he goes to like the broadcasting tower and broadcasts these rays across the city and gets Superman. And yeah. they're you know I mean I don't know how explicit they really are, but seemingly he is dead for all intents and purposes. And when they bring him to the other planet, they're going through, it's like, there's no vital signs like this and that. Like it, it seems like for all intents and purposes, he's dead. Oh do yeah. You, do you want to do the honors to explain how, uh, how he's revived? Cause this is probably my favorite part of this. Well, and wasn't it, so was it the Android? <laughs> yeah. So was there, there's an Android who was supposed to act like Superman that they would train. They would basically train on how to kill Superman on this Android. Right. And the android doesn't the android revive him somehow back to life? What yeah, he, he like reverses the he's able to reverse the effect the polarity and, and pull, like yeah. pull the kryptonite the waves. radio waves out of Superman's body and it destroys the robot in the process. Yes. Uh and and Superman is revived. But so you know I, I think technically he was dead for that period of time. He was lifeless oh, yeah. and he was green from the kryptonite poisoning for like 10 pages. I've, I've, and look, we've done episodes on this. I've really come to learn to love Silver Age Superman in particular. Oh yeah. There's something just so out there about it and they're, they're wild and fun to read. So. Well now, hold on. Let me, got to put a little parentheses asterisk caveat though. Like super not okay though, in some cases. Oh like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like the stories are fun and funny, but like some of the crap that like comes out of the, like the dialogue is like, Oh, that's not okay anymore. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> Especially how Superman talks to women is not great in the silver age. And I know you talked about some of that in the earlier episodes, but it, I love the silver age. Cause they're like, they're bonkers one and done kind of episodes too. They never had a deal with the eight part series. It was, right. here's a, here's a really weird story that somebody came up with and, here you go. And then you're like, oh, cool. And then whether it was real or imaginary, who knows? But it was fun. Well, they're all imaginary stories in the end. 
I think, you know, I, I'm, of course, it's a natural to talk about the Death of Superman adaptations. I'm glad we talked about this because I yeah. do think it's worth mentioning that, yes, there were these forerunners, these pre-crisis forerunners oh, yeah. to the Death of Superman. And no, none of them, I guess maybe with the exception of Superman 149, you'll find that collected in all of the, you know, anniversary, you know, decade, you know, collections yeah. and things like that. But, you know, none of these ever really cemented and, and had the staying power that the Death of Superman from 92 had. But, you know, interesting to know that there was, you know, this had been attempted in some form before oh, yeah. um but of course it would be 30 years ago where it would we would get the story that we're still talking about circling back to the special i know we spent a lot of time on the jurgen story i'll mm. be i don't really have a ton to say about the john henry or guardian segments was there anything there that oh. really that you wanted to talk about um no i mostly really enjoyed the the ma and pa kent one um yeah, I guess in the Guardian one, I guess I, I've always really enjoyed Double uh, X, the Cadmus character. So I liked seeing him show up again. But again, we were seeing more um, pullbacks from the original issues, too. So like some of that interaction was real. And I again, I love I love how they go a little more in depth into Dan Turpin and Westfield. Yeah. Like how when Westfield's trying to steal the body and Dan Turpin like socks him in the stomach. I, I like how they go a little more in depth on that, but um, yeah, I just, I, I don't say I have to, I didn't enjoy it, but again, I was kind of happy they were as short as they were. I'll be, I'll be kind in saying that. And again, the, the steel one was a little, it didn't do much. Like it didn't say much. It was just like, like a nice, um, I don't know. Reminiscing more is a good word for it, but it didn't offer a lot of depth. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see these creators on those characters again. I just yeah. feel like even if you had such limited real estate and I wish they had more yeah. real estate, it's like, if you only have 10 pages, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, exactly know what, what more want. they could have done actually. Cause it was so short. Um, because, but, but at the same time, the, the above and beyond one with Mon Pa Kent, mm -hmm. That was the same length, but there seemed to be a whole lot more there. That was and a maybe slam that's... dunk. I thought that was a, that was the highlight for me for this whole issue for by far. Where, like I said, you know, we're back on the farm while they're watching this battle on the screen, and yeah, you know, you can and imagine the, what they're going through. The scrapbook that Martha puts together that we never really see is, you know, it's it's not just who he fought; it's it's the selfless acts that Superman was doing that she kept say she kept saving all the humanity of Clark in, in the newspaper articles that you find about Superman. Nobody else knows that except for them. They're like, this is the boy we raised. Um, and that's what I loved about that is that you saw the Clark in Superman, even though the rest of the world sees Superman. Absolutely. You know, and just this idea that, you know, he's, he's helped as this medical courier, you know, transporting yeah. uh, organs for transplants and things like that. And, you know, Martha has basically followed the people. He's, she's done a good bit of detective work here, right? Where yeah. she's looked at obituaries for people who died like on those days and then subsequent stories of people who received those organs and what they went on to do. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most about this and as both a child and a parent, like the thing that really, yeah. really resonated with me was, you know, Jonathan and Martha talk about like what Clark doesn't tell them. And it comes up in a couple of instances, right? Where uh, one of them acknowledges like, 
because they they reminisce, you know, they have the scrapbook, but they also reminisce about some of those triangle era greatest hits, like when he went out into yeah. space and war world and everything. And, you know, they talk about how like, you know, he doesn't tell us the extent of how bad it really no. is, right? And of course he wouldn't, he doesn't want to worry them. But then similarly, when Martha's talking about, you know, all these donor, you know, recipients and everything, you know, she, no, like Clark doesn't make a big deal out of those either. And she doesn't put them in the scrapbook because she knows that, you know, he, he doesn't see himself as the hero in that story. Right. Like he's just helping, but it's the doctors and it's the donors. Like they're the ones who are really doing something. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, just that idea of what he doesn't tell them and why, but the fact that they still know and it, it informs, you know, everything that's going through their minds as they're watching this and even pause like final acknowledgement of like, and we know where this is going, right? It's yeah. the moments right before, but it's like he acknowledges like but who Clark is. He's more human and more humane, he yeah. says, than anyone. And if it comes down to it and it's a matter of him laying down his life to save this world, he'll do it. It was you such know, a great segment. And I mean, Jerry Ordway's always been strong. Even when he took over in the Triangle era, issues and issues before the death. Some of his stories were the best because he took, I believe he did Adventures of Superman, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, those are a lot of the stories that I think you and I really loved. A lot of the parallel lines that happen in those, in the, in the cast characters. I will also say Tom Grummet, I miss him. Like I miss his art in the Superman cast of characters because, okay, this is going to sound really interesting. Like, he writes, or sorry, he draws in a very wholesome uh, silver bronze age, almost Midwestern kind of look when he does Ma and Pa and, and characters in general. They just, they look larger than life. And if you look at two, I don't know if you have it in front of you. Uh, I, I can't have it in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just... There's some of the, like the way he draws the sadness on Ma's face. And it's just, it, there's all these close-ups too of them. If you look here, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're, yeah. it's just the way he approaches that. Um, it looks very different than anything we see usually. Um, yeah, it, 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 it really, he, he, Grummet draws almost in a throwback kind of vibe in a lot of ways, which I, I, I miss quite a bit, actually. Yeah. As, so I, as I, I adored that whole segment. Right on. So listen, we're we're just about now at the two-hour mark. I, I got to put up the episode uh, very shortly. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to say? Anything we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? Oh, no, man. I always love talking to you. And I think it was cool that we always have a lot to talk about, even on just... <laughs> One, one sixty-page issue or whatever this is. I had a blast as always. Uh, I I love it. It's it's a beautiful thing to me that we can continue to find so much to mine from the death of Superman. Yeah. And yeah. you know, regardless of you know what what I would have done differently if it were up to me right. with this special, I'm very grateful that we have this special. That the creators yeah. were all you know, ready, willing, and able and, and came in and, you know, got right back into the groove and, you know, gave us new stories and, and, and new material to talk about. So, uh, again, I think if I had to boil down any frustrations I had with this to one thing, it's just, I just wanted more. And I hope that 
you know, I hope this is well received and I hope that, cause look in success, anything is possible. So my hope is this is a smash and, you know, maybe this opens the door for more things like this or different formats or whatever the case may be, because uh, we've been talking about it so much, but this whole era was a fantastic time and it, it's been wonderful yeah. to revisit and it would be great to see it revived in some way. Although, you know, it's funny, like when we talk about TV show and movie revivals, like I, I've become very wary of those because I feel like more often than not, it's a letdown. So I might be eating these words if this ever came to pass, but <laughs> I, maybe I'm just riding the high now of doing the death to wedding run and now this. There you but, go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's just, I, I guess, and then I really will end this. I don't mean to <laughs> keep us here forever, but <laughs> I guess it's just that, um, here's the best way I can put it. The more that I, the more time I spend with these triangle era stories, reading and talking about them and, you know, comparing to what's, what we've had before and after, the more I recognize what a singular moment that was mm -hmm. uh, with those creators and that, that cast and everything that they were doing. And so, you know, the, the more I realize it's like, no, I don't know that we would really ever have that again. Otherwise, and maybe yeah. we don't need to have it again. Maybe it's enough that it existed once, but I just real, realize more and more how unique that was. And so I guess when there's a potential for, for maybe recapturing some of that, I, I do, it's definitely something that's intriguing to me. Maybe at the end, the only, the only thing that I would love to see more is at the end of this 30th year, somehow uh, a new action figure line would come out. <laughs> we get, I want a Dan Turpin and Maggie Sawyer action figure. That's what I want. I want, I want the I want the uh, the cast of characters that we don't always see. That's what I want. I'm with you. I will co-sign on that. Well, listen, yeah, we Bernie. Thank you as always for joining me. It's always a pleasure. I always enjoy comparing notes with you. I look forward to the next time that we nice. can do this uh, in 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 2023 uh, as we're winding down here on on digging for kryptonite for this year. Uh, so I look forward to the next time we can do that. And again, like I said, we will be off next week. Listen, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, a safe, healthy, happy holiday. Uh, however you celebrate it, I hope that you have a good one. And make sure you come back in two weeks. Like I said, we'll be looking at The Black Ring and Camelot Falls. And a couple of episodes after that, we'll be looking at a couple of lost slash forgotten adventures of Superman runs, one by Joe Casey and the other one by Greg Rucka. So those are sort of three, uh, the three uh, remaining episodes that we have coming out uh, for the rest of this year. So make sure you join us. And as always, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC movie rewatch podcast at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.